Welcome back, everyone, to the fourth episode of Purpose Driven Law. I am your host, Amy Berry. Uh, just to recap, if you're new here, Purpose Driven Law is a platform that's designed to share the stories and experiences of thought-provoking leaders in the legal industry who pursue their purpose through their practice and businesses. Remember, you can find this podcast on the Purpose Driven Law YouTube channel, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe. All right, so this next guest that we have on our episode, if I could sum up in one word, I would really just say a trailblazer. Uh, Marina has been a mentor of mine and somebody who I have really uh, become a friend with, and she's really helped me in the uh, developmental stages of my career and really the person who I am today, both personally and professionally. So a little bit about Marina. Marina provides institutional and venture capital to law firms, uh, and she helps them aug augment business operations, steadily scale inventory, and provide cash flow balance through diversification. Marina supplies firms with comprehensive legal concierge services by giving plaintiffs and attorneys smooth procedures detailed reports and systems of navigating legal planning and funding complexities. By her awareness of market trends and how it affects all aspects of the law, she offers a strategic edge in civil justice. She has the wherewithal, drive, discipline, and passion for directing and participating in cases that change our world. Marina's career began in UNICEF working as a translator for American trips who assisted Kosovo's genocide victims. She subsequently found her way into the U.S. Department of Justice and Immigration, paving the way for her outstanding reputation today. At the age of 17, Marina immigrated to the United States from Albania. She earned her degree with honors in international relations and communications, graduating from Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida. She also is the host of the Heart of Law podcast, which I highly recommend checking out. She is fluent in three different languages. She frequently travels between the U.S. and Europe. Currently, Marina resides in Orlando, Florida with her true love, husband Phil, and their two children, Tessa and Leo. I met Marina um, back when I first started in my career. I believe it was back in 2017, 2018 at the National Trial Lawyers in, uh, in Miami. And I was just amazed when I first met her. She was this radiant beam of energy and just this glowing goddess. That's like one of the ways that I could describe my first time meeting Marina. Um, my boss, Steve Smith, introduced me to her. And like I just said before, she's been a mentor of mine ever since. Marina, welcome to Purpose Driven Law. Thank you so much for that introduction. Um, I really <laughs> appreciate that. I'm usually the one introducing others. So being introduced is um, in that fashion is, is very flattering. So thank you. So I was also, I know about you, you are fluent in three different languages. You are originally from 
uh, Albania. And you actually moved here when you were 17 to the United States. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very correct. Um, I was an exchange student from Albania amongst a group of kids actually coming from different parts of Europe in um, through an exchange student program here in the United States that um, offered it to um, mainly, uh, I would say, Eastern European countries. But yeah, we there was kids from Macedonia and um, Romania and Latvia and Albania. So yeah. That's crazy. I'm just like picturing this 17 year old girl, you know, leaving her home, her family. You have to be like pretty bold and pretty brave to take that step in life. Can you kind of share with us your experience on what, what that was like for you and how that's shaped you into the woman that you are today? Sure. Um, it's a deep question and, and it's somewhat of a long story, but to summarize it, I think um, from an early age, seeing the turmoil in my country, home country, I knew that I, I wanted more. I wanted to um, have a life where I felt safe, where I had opportunities. Um, you know, when I was, I would say from, so I was born in 84, um, which was during communism in Albania and communism didn't really um, end until 1991. And I remember as a kid, six or seven years old, seeing um, basically the, the movement in my town and across my country um, of students, mainly college students, just wanting a regime change. And that shook me, those images, um, and then just waves of Albanians who had been starving during communism for over 50 years, trying to leave uh, the country to go to neighboring countries for opportunities for work, um, just to be able to put food on the table and give their families a better future. So there was a huge wave of Albanians that left. I think we are a small country of 3 million people, but I believe, and I've heard this from other Albanians that there is about 10 million immigrants around the world. So there's more Albanians around the world than in our actual country. But that immigration wave really um, started in 1991. And so from 1991 to about 2001, there was a lot of um, political unrest in my country um, to where as democracy was being established, it was really just a broken, um, you know, confused system, just trying to figure out what it meant to be a democracy. Most people didn't, hadn't been born in a democracy. So there was so much turmoil that in 1997, we had what what you know we call anarchy, where a bunch of um, I mean a, a lot of young men decided to go and open the armed depots in Albania and um, became armed and started uh, and took over. Really, there was no police, there was no 
government. They took over the TV stations. I remember men in gun with guns, you know, getting on the radio waves and also on TV, basically saying that they had taken control of the country. And so I couldn't go to school. I believe I was 12, 11, 12 years old. I couldn't go to school. And we would have to basically when we'd hear gunshots all day long and different gangs are shooting at each other. And so I'd have to like lay down on, you know, uh, we lived in an apartment and I was on the third floor. So we were afraid of bullets, you know, um, coming in, but we would lay on the floor or duck every time we heard, you know, guns. And so it was pretty traumatic, I would say. Um, and of course my instinct, which is, I think a survival instinct for me and my family wanting to be safe was to get out of there. And although I love my country dearly and the people at the time, this is 2000, you know, 1997 to 2002, there was really very little opportunity for anyone, let alone women who had been oppressed even more so. And, you know, generate, I would say a generation before me, you know, my parents were arranged marriage. So there was a lot of also cultural limitations on women and uh, if they went to school or who they married. So I think from that perspective, um, I was a kid that started watching foreign, like Italian TV and uh, American movies and was completely fascinated with the Western world and how different it seemed, how free it seemed, um, and just kind of like ingrained in my mind that I wanted to go to America at a very, very early age. So I'm in high school, just to kind of summarize the, the story. I'm in high school, I think first uh, freshman, sophomore, and I was really looking for an opportunity to go abroad, to study abroad. And this exchange student program was something that had just come become available. And in fact, my chemistry teacher told me about it and said, you'd be a good candidate for this, um, just because she knew my my drive and my hunger and wanting to leave to go study abroad. So I tried it um, and applied for the exchange student program a couple of times. I was refused twice. The third time I went there and I said, I'm not leaving until I get a visa and I don't see a, a future here. Um, and if I leave here, I don't know that I, I'm, I have anything to look forward to. So I think the, the lady behind the counter felt sorry for me uh, and saw that I was really desperate to want to build a future, a better future than I thought I would have if I stayed there during those times. My country has come a long way. Um, I've been in America for 22 years, and it's a very different place today. And I'm I'm very proud of how much the country's evolved. Obviously, there's still issues there, but it's definitely better than when I left. So I got on that plane at 17. Um, full of gratitude um, and fear because I didn't know where I would go, but I was full of gratitude in the sense that I felt I had a chance to, um, to do something with my life, to pursue the American dream. So I came here really hungry and wanting to make a life for me. And, and that's what I've done. And that's what I continue to do. Wow. Wow. What a past. I, uh, I didn't know about your childhood before you and I 
as you know, we've talked in depth about spirituality and life, but never kind of where you came from and what your story was. So thanks for sharing that. Um, that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> kind of take, take me through like your early career days in the legal industry. Um, how did you get involved in the space? What did you start with? So I always, I always wanted to be a lawyer. Um, you would have been I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish, you know, I wish I'd gone to law school. Um, I, I don't think there is an excuse. I don't just don't think there, there was in the cards for me, but I always had a passion for justice. And I think part of it came from experiencing the injustices um, that my family experienced that I felt I experienced. Um, so that pursuit for justice of wanting to work for the UN and help war-torn countries, obviously Kosovo, who is a sister country to Albania, went through a horrible genocide. And these, these are our people, right? And so we saw waves of refugees coming from Kosovo to Albania and experiencing that war. I mean, it was, it was very, very close and, and seeing what it did to so many of those families. Um, and obviously my own personal experience through what I just shared. So I think the pursuit for justice of wanting to find fairness of why the world is broken or why do I have to go through this? I didn't do anything. I was just a kid. I just happened to be born in this country and I had dreams. And so I wanted to find answers or understand, you know, how to make the world a better place. And mm -hmm. so I think that fire has been there all along. Uh, when I moved to the United States, um, after my senior year of high school, I couldn't afford to not work. So I worked every job that I could from cleaning to working at a gas station to, um, you know, restaurants. I mean, I, I kind of did it all babysitting. I'd have two, three, four jobs at a time. And, and so it didn't matter as I just needed to work and help my family and help myself. So the goal was to go to college and then to go to law school. And I started working after doing like about four or five years of just any job that I could find. I finally found a job um, that got me closer to my dream, which was to be an interpreter for the Department of Justice and interpret for other Albanian families that were seeking political asylum. And, and I worked in the court system for over five years I'd sit you know as an interpreter in the courtroom I'd sit by the judge and I would interpret and tell the stories of these families and why they had left their countries which is very similar to mine so it was um in a sense a passion project or work for me and then I realized by being in that environment and being exposed to immigration law it took a toll. It took a toll on the attorneys. It even took a toll on me as an interpreter. And I thought, ah, this is, this is really tough. Right. And so I started to think whether or not, you know, it was in the cards for me or trying to save the world. If that was, you know, the things that you start thinking about, as you know, you have to put food on the table and make money. And eventually I, I, 
um, had my daughter when I was uh, 24. And uh, this happened in 2007. So the recession happened and everything. I mean, it was just a very difficult time. I also was working and doing some real estate. Um, I was a title closer, actually, would work in a, a as a notary closing for families that would buy homes. And, and so I was laid off. I wasn't really working anywhere and decided to go to college at 24 and get my degree, my college degree. So I was like one of the oldest kids in college and I had a child and I was a single mom at the time. My family had just moved to United States and they didn't speak English and they relied on me for everything, transportation and work and everything else. So now I am 24 years old. I'm a single mom. I am not working <laughs> and I have my family to take care of. So um, I enrolled in college and um, took out a lot of student debt to be able to survive those those years, but also started a cleaning business and uh, commercial cleaning business and was able to employ my entire family. Wow. And that's where I learned how to run a business, actually. Um, so this is a long story to really tell how I ended up in the industry that I did. But when I was graduating college, um, I met a lawyer um, randomly on a plane. I was sitting next to him and he was a settlement planner um, and an attorney that helped families that would get recoveries um, to essentially structure money and do trusts and Medicare set-asides and lien resolution. And I was telling him I had a passion for um, the legal world and he offered me a job. So I get back in town, I um, apply and, and I started working for this company here in Orlando that did settlement planning. And this is around 2011. Uh, I had, I was about to graduate college. My daughter was almost four years old and I thought this industry was incredible because I saw how much opportunity there was and I was really, really ready for a change for to be in the legal business. And I thought maybe I'll go to law school um, one day and just threw myself in head first and have never looked back. Wow. I'm floored. Like <laughs> starting your own business, employing your whole family, starting school, like university with a brand new baby. I remember when I was 24, I couldn't even like hardly pay my own car bill, like in my fourth year of university. Well, not 24. I think I was like 21, but like, wow. I think, I think, sir, I think survival is uh, an incredible driver, right? I think uh, when you need something, you'll find a way, right? And I came from such a de deprived past yes. and culture and for me coming to America and seeing the opportunities, yeah. as hard as that was, it wasn't harder than what my family and I had experienced back home, if that oh, makes sense. Oh, and yeah, 100%. Um, I, I think it's important for our listeners to know, too, like, Marina had introduced me to Tony Robbins in the world of Do Joe Dispenza, and that, like, forever changed my life as well. But, like, you know, there's a thing that 
Tony references and it's like hard times make good people and good people make good times right and that's that cycle and you know when your back is up against a wall you really figure out who you are and what you can do and what you need to do and you know that's just what makes incredible people which is why I wanted you as a guest on my show because I just think that you're an incredible person um just like your story just you know fuels that thought so what was your um what was your identity when you first came into this space or the vision that you had for yourself um when you first came into this space and how has that evolved over the course of your career uh to where you're at right now can you share with us a little bit about that timeline sure I don't think I had a vision necessarily when I started. I was eager to learn and understand where I could create value. So I think the exposure to the legal industry allowed me to um, truly understand um, the needs of the business, um, to see what attorneys, law firms were looking for, how they did business. And I really was eager to help. I wanted to become valuable. So I did a lot of research and took a long, I would say about two years to study the industry, to meet as many people as possible, to learn about the, as you know, like just the lingo itself, like there is, it's like another language, right? And I wasn't a lawyer and English isn't my first language or my second language. So I had to really do my homework and take the time to um, understand how this business works. And of course, as the business evolved, so did I. What I did after about two and a half years, three years of being exposed to the legal industry, I made a decision that I was going to start my own business because I had had my business before and it was very liberating that even though it was a cleaning business, you know, I could make the decisions I could, I had my unique style that I could, you know, put a, a spin to everything that I did and it worked for me. So I knew that having my own business and doing it my own way would be better for me. So without knowing a whole lot about the industry, but just knowing a couple of services that I could provide, um, it pushed me to start the business. I launched, um, my own company in 2013, March of 2013. And it was also one of those things, like I burned the boats as Tony Robbins says, right? I did not want any option to go back. I thought, let me figure out how to make this better and find more services that I could offer and do it in a unique way. So I'm, I'm focused even today, I'm focused on what's lacking. I'm focused in, in what's working, not in a negative way, but in the way of trying to close the gap and provide value for people who are wanting their businesses to flourish, because that's what I did with my own business. Mm -hmm. So my business today is really a business, a, a, a platform that allows law firms to truly uh, grow, thrive, scale, different people have different visions for themselves, for their lives. I mean, the business should meet 
the needs of the family, the needs of the individual running the business, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And sometimes businesses have a way to take over and take priority. And then people get lost in the shuffle. So not only am I really focused in helping in processes and infrastructure and um, creating value, both financial and, and human, I'm also focused on my clients and their lives and their families and making sure that the business is serving them in the best possible ways. And those areas have come with my own experience, um, spending, investing in my own personal development. Like you said, I've gone to God knows how many conferences over the course of 15 years, wanting to improve the way that I think about myself, um, the world, heal those parts of me that um, were wounded and really figure out a way to stay optimistic and continue making impact. Because if I could survive everything that I have survived, everything from this point on is just a fun ride for me. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, many people who know you can agree that, you know, you just want to be an extension of everything that you've learned and offer that opportunity to everybody that you care about and that you meet because, you know, it's, it's done such wonders in your life and you wouldn't be the person you are today. And that work is just so important to do. Right. And so what a gift to be able to extend that. And so, yeah, just appreciative of you and uh, just who you are. Um, Thank you. Can you uh, take us deeper into what your core values are? Because um, I know that you are such a person that that works from the heart and everything that you do comes from that that place, business, personal, professional, anything. So what are the core values that you, that you hold in your life and how do you implement them? Yeah. I mean, I think my values have changed over time Mm -hmm. and I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a business owner. And of course, um, as I mature, I start to even uncover new values or even go deeper into existing values that I've been holding um, close. I would say my core values have been built out of my life experience and also been passed down by my family and my culture. I think what's really I mean, a key value where I come from is being loyal Mm. and being um, a person of your word. To me, being a person of your word says everything about you. And if you can't keep your word, your commitments, um, how can I do business with you? Mm -hmm. So it's when I meet somebody and I, either start doing business with them or I entertain the idea of doing business with them, seeing how they follow up, seeing how they're committed to their, you know, their own values and their own uh, goals Mm -hmm. says a lot. Um, And it then dictates 
what type of relationship I'm going to have with that person. So I think loyalty and honesty and commitment are huge for me. I think other values that I have uncovered in myself over time by doing a lot of soul searching is um, to really just be true to me that I don't need to please everybody else. I don't need to be someone for someone else. I have always been my own person and I have always carved my own path. So being true to myself, even if I stumble, even if I make a mistake, having grace, but coming back and the only person I feel I need to answer to or come to terms with is myself and my higher power. So I think that is important um, in, in, in a person's development, growth, business, family. Um, actually, if you hear my son crying, he's a bit sick today and um, has not been feeling well. So I apologize for that. But, um, but really like other values in business is just um, being consistent. Consistency is key. Yes. And um, if you do something consistently, it will produce results. Yes. And that could be good or bad. And so like you work out, you have your own spiritual practice and you know that if you don't do those things, you feel completely out of whack, right? Yes. And I have my own routine and I have my own sort of uh, ways of how I keep myself grounded and stable and aligned. And if I don't do the, those things, I feel it, you know, and, and I realize, okay, I'm, I'm off track. So consistency with my, myself, my mental hygiene, my, my, my physical body, my, um, spirituality, my work, my family, um, that has allowed me to progress. It's incredible what you can accomplish in a year or five years and 10 years when you're consistent oh. with some of those routines that are, are really beneficial to advancing yourself as a person. Okay. Yeah. I, I know that we were on a call with the league the other week and you know, it's so funny that you bring up that word consistency and it's like, how can you um, develop more confidence in yourself? And, you know, consistency is such a huge thing because when you're consistent with yourself, you can prove to yourself that you can trust yourself. And if you can't trust yourself, how are you going to be confident into the person that you are? Because consistency is that gift you can give yourself on putting yourself first and allowing yourself to build the road ahead of you that leads in the direction of who you want to become. And you're not going to get there unless you're not consistent. Yeah. Consistent with taking your vitamins, consistency with your, your spirituality or your relationship with that higher power, however you label that or want to um, what your relationship with that is, your consistency with your family, with your business, like it's just so important. And I think it's something so simple, but sometimes a lot of people try and overcomplicate it. Um, and I think that's really the key for, you know, evolving um, and, and 
evolving into uh, that person that you really desire on who you want to be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just asking yourself who, who, who am I, who I want to be, who do I want to be and how am I going to get there? Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think, I think being, well, I think first identifying what's important to you. Right. Um, so for me, my family is first and foremost, yeah. right. My marriage, my yeah. kids, my, um, myself. And sometimes I had to like, cause as a woman, you prioritize mm-hmm. obviously your kids and other people first. Right. So I had to learn that in order to have longevity in life and in business, I had to prioritize myself first, which meant I had to be a little bit selfish to say, you know, I need this time for me. I need to be able to do X, Y, Z to feel strong, vital, healthy, right? And so becoming a little selfish in a sense really made me able to give more and serve better without feeling that I was empty all the time. And here I am serving everybody else. The last thing you want is to feel resentful while you're serving the people that you love. And so I had to reverse that. I had to really think about that. So it used to be my kids helping my family, helping everybody that I could, and then just had no time for me because I was taking care of so much. There was no, not enough hours in the day to take care of myself. So yeah. I had to be intentional about making myself and taking care of myself a priority and not feeling guilty or bad about it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was becoming intentional that I want a strong marriage. I want um, an exciting relationship. I want adventure. I want depth. I want substance. All of those things. That doesn't come with just marrying the right person because if you don't, you know, water the garden, um, you know, how how can that person be the right person for the rest of your life? You don't have a garden. Exactly. So becoming aware of that and then nurturing that. And same thing with the kids, quality time, uh, being consistent with the kids, making sure their emotional needs are met, all of the things that I know how to do now because I have the tools, but I think I say all of this to really identify what is important to you Mm -hmm. and then figure out ways, break it down step-by-step to say, I'm going to have to do these things consistently in order to then maintain somewhat of a balance. There is never perfect balance, but to maintain what is important to me. And I think once you can see that, whether it's on paper or a flow chart, whatever works for you, you can then make it easier to get into a routine that becomes second nature that you don't think about it again. And it doesn't take a lot of bandwidth because you just, you're, you just know, but also making sure like Tony Robbins says, there's gotta be some room for fun and adventure and the unknown and not have everything, not be so strict on every single thing. So also allowing yourself to still be creative and fun and open to new opportunities and and make time to not be as busy. So all of those things, I think 
it's like this delicate awareness to um to create the life that you know at least I wanted to create for myself and that I continue to create for myself yeah yeah that's beautiful and I think you know it, you said asking the question what is important to me and I think that question has been sitting with me over the last you know definitely over the last year and I mentioned this on the last podcast was, you know, I got married last year and that was a huge wake up call for me as, you know, I was sitting in my engagement, we were engaged for a long period of time, but that reflective time was just so important to me to question, you know, what is important to me? How do I want to be as a wife? Who do I want to be as this man's partner? Who do I want to be in this new life that we're building? And how am I going to show up? And, you know, you've asked me that question countless numbers of times, you know, as our relationship has has progressed of like, what is important to me? What do I want? And I think just being able to be still with yourself and sit with yourself and allowing it, you know, allowing your mind to, you know, really dig deep into what that is and just being open and being present to, you know, the feelings that you experience within all of that. It can just, it, it's really beautiful to, to be able to sit with that. Um, well, I saw you, by the way. I mean, I, you took time off from work and yeah. you yeah. completely, you wanted to have, uh, a yeah. fairy tale wedding and to be able to get ready for that and enjoy that and to to go with you dress shopping and um see you anticipate this really big moment in your life and live it and be present for it i was very very proud of you because it's hard to pull yourself back from yeah. the business and the hustle and the money obviously um and to say this is a priority to me and I'm just going to focus on this. So I, I saw you being very deliberate about that. And I was very proud of you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And also too, I was a part of the Tony Robbins platinum program. Um, and so that was kind of the, it, you know, I really wanted to be able to be present for that as well. And as you know, you are also a platinum partner. It's a lot of the trips and a lot of the commitment with going through that program that was across for me and my engagement. And, you know, I just also wanted to be able to not be away from my partner or from my fiance either. And just, as you know, with this industry and the demands that it takes with the travel and the conferences and the emotional energy and the pull, it's just, you know, it, it, it causes me to just be a different person and shut off in my personal life. Right? right. And there's time for hustle and there's a time for grind, but there's, you know, do I want to be that mother or that, you know, wife that's just absent for, you know, six months and then you do such a good job of it. It's like the balance of it. And I'm definitely going to lean on you and kids start coming into our life. I mean, look, I, it's been hard because I, I have to tell you the first five years in this business, um, I wasn't as present. My daughter was young. I'm fortunate to have my family here and they helped me with her 
but I threw myself to the work and I had to be everywhere I could be to build what I wanted to build. And, and I think there was more of an urgency to just provide because I was sole provider. And, and so I did that, but I knew doing that, that I didn't want to do that forever. And I travel and now I, um, have to be very, very like one of the reasons why I decided to grow Marina and company and have other consultants, um, it's kind of for selfish reasons, right? Like I can't be everywhere and I can't do everything. And this business continues to grow. And so I wanted to have other consultants, you know, not miss out on the opportunity. I want them to be out there and, and do what I did and, and be successful doing it. So I grew the business and trying to transition from an operator to an owner in order to enjoy my family and, and my personal time more. So that's also in the works for me because I'm, I'm still growing the business and I'm still very much in love with what I do, but understanding I can't be on the road all the time. So I've cut down on travel. I've cut down on um, a lot of things that take me away from home and growing the team to ensure that I'm, I'm still thriving and not missing out on opportunities. Yeah. What are you up now to six consultants? I think the team has grown quite a bit. I think it's, yeah. um, I don't know, 10 or 11 of us now. And I believe there is about four consultants. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're building a team of baddies and like just beautiful stunners. So it's Marina and company watch out whenever you go to conferences. <laughs> I, I love mentoring. Um, I realized that like, I just love mentoring and sharing what I've learned with other strong, passionate women and men. And, you know, it's, we have more, more women on the team, but we also actually adding some more men soon, um, to not discriminate, but, <laughs> but I mean, to be, to be fair, it's a male dominated business. And, I think women in this business do very well. Um, obviously that imbalance, you know, it, it it demands more women to be present and to kind of even the scales. And I'm excited to be able to provide uh, the services we provide and, and have some of the best, smartest people in the field helping law firms reach their goals. So yeah, very excited about the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally excited for you. Next question. Mm -hmm. The two most influential people in your life that has helped guided you to where you're at. So I had to think about this. There's just been, it's hard to like, just say two people. There's just been so many people uh, along the way at different stages of my life mm -hmm. that have incredibly added, I mean, in an incredible way, added value to me and, and, and my direction, I would say my grandfather was a big influence. Mm -hmm. um, he was somebody that was really oppressed by the system um, back in Albania. And he taught me to be a strong independent woman his mother my great-grandmother was a widow at a very 
uh, early age with, you know, four children. And she had to basically raise four kids and take care of them during the war. And so he'd always, you know, talk to me about his mother and how strong and how powerful and how amazing she'd been. And she actually, the home where my grandfather grew up and I ended up spending my childhood was, um, was we had a little thing on the wall that just basically told my great grandmother's story because she had helped in the war as well. And so people just knew that that home was the special home where the strong woman, you know, you know, lived 60, 70 years of her life and took care of her family and her kids. And I, I think that stayed with me. That was, that's like part of the DNA, you know, and he would always say, you don't need anybody, you know, you can do it all yourself, you know, take care of yourself. So he created that sense of independence in me very early on a strength that's hard to say, you know, where exactly starts or ends, but it was present all along. So he always thought that the regime would end at some point. Um, and he didn't get to live too, you know, too long after Soviet Union uh, collapsed, but he just knew that the future was brighter and that I would be able to live in a better, better future than he did. And so I think, I, I think of that, I think of him, the life lessons he's left me with, and he was very, very influential in my life. I think the other person, um, that's been a force for good for me has been, I would probably say Tony Robbins. I know he's a name that if somebody's not familiar with what he does and you know how he does it, people just tend to think he's some motivational speaker that's obnoxious and loud and all those things. Um, but what he taught me, and this is about 10 years ago when I first started going to the events, what he taught me was, how to be my own person in a new way as a woman and not sacrifice, you know, my identity or not sacrifice anything or my integrity to be powerful, to be who I am today. It was almost like, wow, I could be all of those things without having to sacrifice anything like that's actually doable. Um, you know, he talks about masculine, feminine, and, you know, because I had been on survival and I had been, I mean, there was like this masculine energy that I had been leaning into for a very long time, which didn't really help me in my personal life. Right. So I had to create some balance there and embrace my femininity and love the woman that I am um, inside and out. Right. He, he helped me love myself. Yeah. Uh, and then he helped me heal some parts of me. And it set me on a journey that was a very powerful journey of self-discovery and um, understanding why it happened and, you know, being okay with it, being at peace with it. So very influential figure, but gosh, I mean, it's, it's unfair to just kind of be limited to those two people because there's been, you know, my mother is also a huge influence in my life and, um, my grandmother, um, teachers along the way. And uh, my kids have been incredible teachers to me, for me, my husband. So it's, you know, my clients. So, yeah. 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 
Um, what would you, how would you define what your purpose is in your life right now? Um, I think my purpose is to inspire, um, inspire other people to change for the better, to raise their standards, um, inspire just good work, um, inspire people into action, right? I love when others inspire me. I, here's what I've learned about myself. If somebody inspires me, somehow like I'll figure out a way to make it happen. And if I'm dragging or if I'm just like pushing through or grinding without that, that meaning, then I'm, I'm empty fast. I don't care for the work. I I'm bored. I don't, and I'm just not happy anymore and it shows. So I learned this about myself early that if I was going to be part of a, you know, an industry or part of a client's life and business, I need to be inspired by what they're doing and how they're doing it. And I get inspired by little things. It doesn't need to be like some big story. It could be just the way that person has persevered or has done something to make their life better or other people's lives better. I mean, it's little things. Then you could see that everywhere in the legal business. I think that's why I love this business because there's so many people that are, you know, advocating for justice and improving lives and doing their part. It's, you know, with all the imperfections is probably one of the best systems in the world. Um, and so I just, I see that I allow that to inspire me into action and then I want to inspire other people. So I, I would say inspiration is the word for, you know, for how I'm, I'm being driven and to find purpose and to find meaning. I love that. I love that. For um, younger women that are in our industry, kind of seeking to get their, their, their foothold or trying to figure out what maybe their purpose is or figure out what their passions are in this industry, what kind of advice that would you be able to give them? I mean, look, being a female is a powerful thing. Yeah. And when you can own that and when you can use that in a way that is, you know, women are sage wise creatures. And if we tap into that, it's really easy for us to open our hearts. And you may not know everything. You may not know the industry. You may not know all of the key players in the business. And I don't think that is what allows somebody to advance in their career. I think being authentic, being real, being interested, um, being willing to learn and really just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for ways to create value for you, whether it's a, an attorney, whether it's a, a service provider of some sort, I think 
people want to connect with people, not with a service, right? So when you lead with a service, people are really going to be very analytical. They're going to look at how much does it cost? Is it, you know, something they need, uh, you know, but ultimately what I think people buy is other people's connection, right? So it depends what you're, how you're connecting. And I think women do an incredible job at connecting um, when they're tuned in that as long as you lead with that and you, and you are available to connect, that you make space to connect with people and they feel that you care about their business, their life, it doesn't matter what you offer, what, what you provide. People will feel that and people will want that energy around them because it allows them to be free and, and, and share ideas with you and tell you what their goals are. And then there's this co-creation that begins in most of my projects that have, you know, at least in the last five years have been projects that, I mean, I've started to work with folks from thin air. Like we, we created them. We, there was, you know, the NEC litigation is an example. The Camp Lejeune litigation is another example. These were just two small law firms very, very small law firms that had no exposure to mass torts that had these cases, but had no idea what the lift would look like, what the undertaking was. They just wanted to do good and and, and impact in a, in a positive way. And man, did that inspire me into action. And so I was there from the beginning, not really asking for anything in return, but just trying to see how I could help to get them to advance and get closer to their dream, because I knew eventually I would find a way to monetize, you know, that, that particular, you know, project. So I'm not focused on, you know, pushing something and I'm more of a long-term, like building the relationship, respecting the people I work with, having that respect reciprocated, and then just like looking at everything, looking under the hood to figure out, how can I help this person? What does this person need? Because uh, it's better to know what they need so that you can appropriately create value than just push a service that they might not need. And then it's that sales, you know, people kind of push back um, on that, right? So that's, at least for me, that's what works is I don't necessarily have a product that I'm like trying to push out and yeah. sell or you know, a very specific dollar amount. I am a service oriented um, consulting, you know, company. And so for me, it's, it's, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, what exactly a client needs or how they need it until I assess Mm -hmm. their, their needs and then go to work and make it, make it happen. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a piece of art, right? Like you necessarily don't know how the canvas is going to turn out at the beginning, but you just let it flow. Yeah. yeah. Well, how can people find you? How can people connect with you? Um, Share with us a little bit about, um, about those avenues and. Yeah. Happy to, I mean, Gosh, now I have a team that's all over my social media. They think (laughs) I need to have a bigger presence. So now we have we're taking pictures all the time and, you know, it's, 
it's just the way I, I guess that now people find you. So we have a presence online on my website, marinaandco.com. Also, uh, my podcast, The Heart of Law, which you mentioned on um, same platforms as yours, like iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and really the conferences, you know, I'm, I'm at most major conferences, always looking to connect with folks, learn about them, what they do, how they do it, and to stay in the leading edge of, um, you know, what this industry needs and try to close the gap and make it make it a better better industry. So um, also my email, marina at marinaandcompany.com. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on your podcast. I'm flattered. I have seen you grow and flourish in your career and your personal life. And I am very proud of what you've done and what you're doing. And I tell all of my consultants and the people that work uh, in my group to look to you for the discipline, because you have an amazing discipline for what you do. You are a go-getter. You don't you don't take no for an answer. And I love that about you as much as I'm sometimes um, have a different approach from you, but there is respect there for what you do and how you do it. So yeah, keep keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much. And it's all it's not no, it's just no, not right now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but thank you again. Those words are so sweet. And yeah, thank you for your time. I know that you're busy and a mom and all of these things. So I'm going to let you go. But other than that, thank you very much, Marina. And I will see you guys soon. Thanks again, you guys. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, it really helps if you share uh, this podcast to help it get found. And uh, if you guys have found value in this podcast, give it a like or five stars. Uh, it really helps us go the long way. Okay.